three, two, one. Pardon me while I cackle. Today is Thursday, the 21st of May, 2020, Feast of the Ascension. Yay! Welcome to episode number 111 of the Barnhard Podcast. This is Mark Doherty, sitting in for Super Nerd, and this is Anne. What's up? What's up? We have to testify for Super Nerd. Here's the situation. He is totally living up to his to his moniker, Super and Nerd. He has had to poach from his um, personal audio recording stash in order to get um, live stream masses set up in the area where he is. And so he actually doesn't have at home um, a situation up to his standards, which we all know are lofty, but he doesn't have a situation at home um, to record. And so Mark is filling it again, but but this is absolutely fortuitous and providential because Mark and I did the last, which was 110, right? We did 110, and we just somehow amazingly failed to discuss the one thing that we were supposed to discuss in depth, which was, of course, the Bergolian anti-papacy, because once you start talking about the largest crime against humanity that has ever been perpetrated, I mean, you know, you just, you go off, you go off on a tangent, and we ended up never talking about the thing that we totally were supposed to be talking about. So now here we back are, and Talking about the Bergolian anti-papacy is definitely on the list tonight, right? Um, it's the only thing on the list. Well. Uh, so it won't, it won't take until hour three to get to it. We'll get right to it. <laughs> the only thing we want to mention before we do is some words about the mystery of the Ascension. And we have it right from the Apostles' Creed that we say in the Rosary every day. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And it is a very blessed feast. We do celebrate it on Thursday because it was 40 days from Easter that our Lord ascended into glory. And um, we don't want to transfer that to Sunday. I don't know why anyone would, would want to transfer that to Sunday. Because masonry and uh, masonry, masonry. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's a glorious, uh, it's a glorious mystery. It's literally, it's the second glorious mystery. It's literally and, uh, a glorious mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the fruit of that mystery is hope, and hope. Uh, the ascension gives us great hope. And let's let's not forget that hope is not some, uh, you know, mansy pansy, uh, touchy feely. Well, maybe things will be better in the end. Hope is not only the the desiring of some future good; it is the firm belief that it will take place. Yeah, and oh that's, yeah. That's the sort of bearing that we need to have when we're talking about hope. And can I just go off now? <laughs> that, what a what a what an opening statement that is! Can can Anne Barnhart just go off on something? Um, this is something that has been um, ongoing throughout this Bergolian anti-papacy thing, and I've received you know all kinds of messages and even personal emails from Tradink partisans who have literally said to me, "There's nothing you can do." What good do you think you can possibly do in any of this? There is no hope. The whole thing is infiltrated. 
what the hell do you think you're going to accomplish with your little project of trying to tell everybody about the invalid resignation from extremely, extremely well-known Tradink partisans? And my, I mean, I never, I don't respond, but what you can clearly see is that these people are not praying the rosary because when you pray the rosary every day, you go through all these mysteries and all of their fruits, and you should be thinking about how does this relate to my life on the micro, micro, micro level, me personally in my everyday life, and how do these how do these mysteries and these fruits relate to the you know the earthly macro situation? And so, like like Mark just said. The second fruit of the glorious mystery, the, asc- the ascension of our Lord into heaven, is hope. And so you say to yourself, well, I mean, the truth will come out. We know that we have the victory and the truth will win over. And so all we have to do is keep saying it and fighting for it and proclaiming it and witnessing to it every day in as much as we can, do what we can, because we know, we absolutely know because of the virtue of hope that we win in the end, that our Lord and the truth will all be revealed and everything will be fine. And so that's that's why you keep going. And you can say, well, the whole thing is infiltrated and all of the, all of the clerics and prelates are all completely infiltrated. No one's going to listen to you and nobody's going to do anything. And I say, <clears throat> are you sure about that, sweetie? Are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> and I can't say too much, but I can say, <clears throat> are, are you completely sure about that so yeah i mean you're absolutely right and the the attitude that you describe is basically an effeminate bearing where Mm. if something is deemed where something is basically deemed too hard it's too hard so it's not that's sloth that is the that is the sin of sloth sloth or sloth i mean you can say it either way I, I actually, in my brain, I say it's sloth, but, you know, m- fancy people with degrees also say it's sloth. That is the vice in which you don't want to do something because it's difficult. It's it's objectively difficult. Whereas effeminacy is that you, you refuse to do something because it might reduce your personal, your personal comfort and pleasure. Uh, right. Good distinction. But, the, but good, they're, good. but they're, they're, they're kissing cousins. They're, they're right there together. It's the refusal to do something for one reason or another. Yeah. So why don't we jump right in? And oh. uh, so the, 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 the jumping off point here is basically uh, the premise of why Jorge Bergoglio is an anti-pope, and we'll we'll go through the 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 events, the relevant events of 2013, and then we will also talk about some events that have happened since then, and in particular, we will talk about events that have happened since the posting of the second uh, video from Anne, which happened last June. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been some pretty significant events that have transpired since then, uh, not the least of which was open idol worship by the anti-pope inside St. Peter's. And, you know, just so that our 
previous regular listeners don't just tune out at this point, let me let me say why we're doing this. Because of the Corona cold thing, I personally, my website, barnhart.biz, has gone like crazy viral. And now it's become weirdly, weirdly, um, a a hub that many people are going to to look for objective Corona cold reportage, whether it's me saying something personally or more frequently, obviously me linking to other things like Italian stuff, because Italy is at the center of that and they were first and all of that. So there are a lot of new eyes on barnhart.biz and new ears listening to this podcast and there's also a lot of people from back in the day from back in you know 2011 2012 2013 when a lot of my reportage was on financial corruption financial market corruption um you know talking about economics all of that the thing that's fascinating is that all of this is of a piece it's all tied together and looking back now i can see the divine providence working just i mean crazy hardcore working in my life getting me weirdly intimately intimately exposed to all of these dynamics which which on the surface seem completely um non-related to each other what the hell does the papacy have to do with mf global have to do with with you know the obama situation and the fact that he wasn't uh the fact that he isn't even an american citizen legit and was not a constitutionally eligible candidate for the for the presidency isn't that fascinating because it's all running exactly parallel with everything that has gone on in the one holy catholic and apostolic church over the past 7 plus years yeah, it's, it's not even it's not even a parallel it's all intertwined with the catholic yeah. spring and all that yep absolutely 100% and so this is just all coming together and now here we all sit half the human race under lockdown the practice of catholicism and christianity has basically been criminalized um and you know it's all tied together so why why are we talking about all of these things and new ears are here why should the new ears continue to listen to this and why are we now you know almost four years after my declaration of saying of calling complete bs on Bergoglio, he's not the Pope, he never was the Pope. Why are we still, after four hours of video exposition by me, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of written words by me, I mean, you've got to be close to 100,000 words on this yourself, Mark, on your own blog. You've got to be close to 100,000 words. I mean, why are we rehashing this? Precisely because, guys, there are so many new and returning ears now to this space that we need to do this, but we need to do it quickly. And we we need to give, as uh, one trad partisan characterized it, we need to give the elevator pitch. And it's actually quite easy to do. 
the elevator pitch is this. And by elevator pitch, we mean <laughs> something you can say in the space of time that you're um, trapped in an elevator with another human being as you're going up to your dinner at the top of the, at the top of the, what's that tower called in Chicago with the, with the uh, rooftop restaurant? That uh, Hancock. Yes, the Hancock Tower. Yeah, the Hancock Tower. As you're riding that express elevator up, you need to be able to make the pitch. So we can do that without any without any difficulty. Here's the deal, guys. Here's what happened. Under Freemasonic sodomitical pressure from many, many years ago, and probably dating from his own legitimate ascension to the papacy, um, he Pope Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict has been under pressure, et cetera, et cetera, by the New World Order slash Sodomite Mafia to resign. And they've been talking about this crap for decades. And Mark was one of the first to uncover all of this. And then we start reading, I mean, and we still are, I mean, I'm, I haven't. I think, Mark, you've been reading more of this German, mid-20th century German Theological Academy BS. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a species of purgation to read this garbage. He's yeah, been... Uh, they, they, were, they were pretty messed up. <laughs> understatement of the quarter and that's saying something in the days of corona cold the german theological academy of the mid to late 20th century was pretty messed up understatement of of the of the quarter um so pope benedict's resignation was in substantial error so let me let me just jump in here and yeah, because yeah. I, I really i really want to proceed from a canon law mm, uh, mm, you, mm. let's use canon law mm-hmm, as the as mm-hmm. as, as, as we uh um, prosecute this yeah so we're, we're not making this up this isn't this isn't you know bat guano conspiracy theory anything our argument is from canon law it's objective you can say yes that's right yes that or no that's wrong it's not some um non-falsifiable crazy pants you know denying the moon landing or i mean it's just i mean it's it's nothing even close to that contrails it, contrails con uh, um what but what do they call them? Chem chemtrails. 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 Chem <laughs> no, the, I mean. Sorry, I misspoke. And I've been saying this for years. Satan, masterful chess player that he is, all of this conspiracy theory nonsense. So the chemtrails and the denying of the moon landing and the Earth is flat and there's, you know, shape shifting lizard Jews living in underground civilizations. I mean, all of this has been set up in order to discredit people who come out and say, oh my gosh, there's an actual, legit, hardcore, provable, objectable, full-on conspiracy happening right now, and everybody else can just go, oh, you're stupid because you're a chemtrail person. And, and you just, you're, you're pulling your hair out. And what can you do? So, Mark, canon law, go. 
Okay. So the first thing to, to be understood, because one of the biggest accusations that, that's that's made is that, well, we're straining at gnats and no. it's all just it's all just a matter, it's minutiae. No. You know, the whole the whole world has accepted this and you just need to move on. If there was any problem no. with it, we're we're far past that. No, no guys, no. 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 The first thing that you need to get your head around is canons seventeen, thirty six, and thirty eight. You can easily look it up. I'm not going to read those, although I'm going to read a few here in a minute. Mm. 1736 and 38, what they talk about is that what, what the law says depends on the plain meaning of the words yep. of the law. Yep. And, what, and what a specific act, a specific juridical act or a specific, specific administrative act, mm -hmm. what determines what it says is the plain meaning of the words that phrase is written into the law yep. so whether you're talking about the law itself and how it's worded or you're talking about how a specific juridical act is worded you have to rely on the plain meanings plain meaning of the words uh that are that are written or spoken and can i jump in just very quickly um for any there are going to be protestants listening to this and there's going to be you know atheist agnostics whatever listening to this 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 concept is paralleled perfectly in english common law which i'm i assume that all of you listening to this would be on board with the law means what it says it means you don't need to you don't have to have some bizarre form of gnosticism to understand what the law means and this is why laws are publicly promulgated so that the people so that the guy so that the guy who is who is sweeping the streets literally can look at the law read it see what it means and and you know what that's what it means this whole notion of a uh, new gnosticism where only people with phds and pardon me Pardon me. Hold on. I have to take a, sh a sip of, of what I'm drinking right now because, oh my gosh, it, oh, it, it's a laugh line. It the, is the, the a easiest laugh way, line. The easiest way to prove that is imagine if the only way you could know the law is to have your own lawyer. How many people in the, in the world throughout history could afford to have their own lawyer? Yeah. No. You need to be able to know what the law is. Yeah. And then who's your lawyer? Let's let's ask the question who your lawyer is. And when we're when we're talking about the church today, even when we're talking about obviously in this situation with corona cold, how many lawyers are there who are on antipodal antipodal diametrically opposite sides of all of this? And you're looking at this and then if you know anything about the state of the academy of the church today and and somebody says well you have to have a doctorate in canon law to be able to even begin to understand any of this if you have any knowledge of the situation of the pontifical universities in rome if you have any knowledge of the situation of any university in the world that calls itself catholic this is a guffawing thigh slapping laugh line 
And this is one of the reasons why people like myself, people like Mark, we are completely unlettered. We're not illiterate, but we are completely unlettered. And this is why, this is a huge, huge, and believe me, I know this personally for a fact, why we, people like myself and Mark, we are discredited, we are attacked, we are character assassinated, me more so than Mark, just because I'm much more, um, much more public and I'm, I'm easier to go after, frankly, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty easy to go after. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Um, you know, own it, own it. Um, go big or go home. That's what I say. But these people, I, I can't overemphasize this enough. It is, it is a function of pride. It is a function of, I'm going to say it, embarrassment. They are embarrassed and they are pissed off that these people, that they have spent how many years of their life and almost all of them have gone into six-figure debt chasing after these degrees which are frankly not worth the paper they're written on a lot of these people they can't see what's right in front of them and when you start having you know unlettered totally unlettered lay people like mark like myself other people coming out and just saying look here's the canon law here's what it says you do five five minutes worth of searching on on a search engine which is actually evil and i'm talking about google i'm talking about google sure some of us are still using it to some extent you can use a completely converged evil property like Google to do the five minutes of requisite research to figure out what in the hell is going on here. And it's obvious. And you say, well, you don't have a degree in canon law. And Mark doesn't have to. You don't understand the nuance. Hell, we're the ones who are explaining the nuance. We're the ones who are explaining what does substantial error mean? What is the definition of that? And these people, and it's exactly, this is another huge parallel with Corona cold. None of these people are going to come out and say straight up, dude, I was wrong. I missed this. I totally missed this. Why? Pride. And what is the number one sin in the human race always and forever? Pride. It's always pride. The inability to come out and say, I was wrong. I totally missed this. I was totally and this wrong. Is, this is the, – the, there's a huge parallel here between Corona Cold and the anti-papacy because mm-hmm. in both situations, what needs to happen is the truth needs to come out and the people that were responsible for either covering it up or um, – Going along know, re- with it, facilitating it. Yes, yes, yep. That they need to admit that they were wrong. Yep. And the whole thing needs to be expunged. We will never get we'll never get resolution to the papacy unless the tr- it's it, the truth it comes yep. out yep. and it's it's rectified. Having Bergoglio die does does it not. It solves sm- nothing. It correct. solves nothing. And having and having the country or the world open back up and try to get the economy recovered, but we're going to have these restrictions in place for the foreseeable future or for years to come. That's never going to work. People nope. have to admit that yep. this was 
this was they were cooking the books from the beginning, yep. which which ironically, Burks has admitted that in a press conference. It's mm-hmm. right out there in the mm-hmm. open. But you know what I'm saying? It's got the lie has to be exposed yes. and and remedied. That's the only way out of both of these situations. You have to go to the root. You have to go to the root. You can't do language alert. You can't do a half-assed well, we were kind of sort of wrong on this, but uh, oh, th- th- this is what I've been talking about. We've been talking about for years. You can't say merely Bergoglio's a heretic, so he's lost the papacy. Nope, that's not right because he was never the Pope to start with. That's, that's right. the point. You have to go to the absolute root of the problem and unless you do that you are just dragging this crap out and it's going to get worse it's going to get worse and worse because if you don't acknowledge the fact that pope benedict ratzinger's here's the so i started out pitching this as the um elevator pitch and now wait what time yeah, are, yeah we're now of uh, 15 minutes into this that's a this is the burge dubai elevator pitch okay so the the building is like a kilometer tall and the, the elevator is half broken and it can only go really 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 slowly it's okay you've got a diehard audience oh right on right on so pope benedict ratzinger's um attempted resignation in in february of 2013 was totally invalid it was totally illegal that's the elevator pitch right there right that it it really is so i'm gonna i'm gonna and and just to close off that point that we can have all the academic discussions you want about can a pope loses office it's irrelevant uh, we we can do that it's not germane it's not germane yeah we, we can talk about what beller Road or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't apply to nope. this situation. Nope. That's what everybody has to understand. Well, all that matters is what the hell did Ratzinger do in February of 2013? And you so, know, Ratzinger keep t- keeps telling us over okay, so, and over again. Take it, take it, take it, take I, it. I, I, I'm going to read Canon 188 and yeah. and Testify. with everything we've just done to, to, to set up, tell, ask yourself to enumerate in how many ways, according to Canon 188, <laughs> this resignation wasn't wasn't valid because there's several possibilities. Okay, <laughs> this falls within this what falls within Title IX, Chapter Two, loss of ecclesiastical office, Article One, resignation. Mm. Canon 188, mm. a resignation made out of mm. grave fear. Mm that is inflicted unjustly mm-hmm. or out of malice, mm-hmm. substantial error mm-hmm. or simony mm-hmm. is invalid by the law itself. Is invalid by the law itself. No, no counsels needed, no nothing needed. It's between, it's between the Pope, the law, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who alone bestows the papacy or withdraws the papacy from any given man. No councils, no no cardinals, no college of cardinals, none of that none of that needed, none of that germane. And you know, at this point, an argument could be made 
for absolutely every category, even simony, because I've had people email me and say, Anne, you're, you know, you disqualify simony. And, you know, if there are prots and, you know, newbies listening and you're asking yourself, what, what the hell is simony? Simony is when you pay somebody for, in the church for something like you, you pay, um, a priest for, absolution of something I mean I mean you know paying for sacraments paying for anything buying off a pope and this happened back in the day this totally happened so there was corruption back in the middle ages back in the medieval days you know you read the history of the church and it got it got nasty you know and they would say all right listen you we will pay you and your super rich aristocratic family the equivalent of a billion dollars. Of course, it wasn't, I mean, I'd say the equivalent of a, of a billion dollars for you to resign the papacy and go away. And remember, back in the day, the Pope was an, an earthly monarch. He was the king of the papal states. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today. the 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 end of the of the of the Pope being the earthly monarch of of earthly territory was basically around 1870 with Garibaldi and the Freemasons, who who basically deposed Pope Pius IX as the earthly monarch of the papal states, dissolved all that, and then formed what we all see today as the Italian Republic, which is a terrible thing and is a farce and should be broken up into at least five different states. That's another huge parallel and lesson in all of this coronacal nonsense is subsidiarity. We don't need one world government. We need we need to go back to what it was before. We need to when, go backwards, that's right. When there were many, many, many more nation states that were smaller, and so everything was contained, and people were self-sufficient. The self-sufficiency, the economic self-sufficiency. What are we all seeing? What should America have? What should the United States have? We should have the ability to feed ourselves completely and totally not just growing corn or soybeans, but actual food that human beings consume, fruits, vegetables. We shouldn't be bringing in all of our all of our produce from South America. This is completely screwed up. We should have the ability to produce all of our own medical medical equipment, all of our own textiles, steel, all coal, all of this energy, everything should be self-sufficient. And not just us in the United States, everybody, everybody, every nation state in Europe, and there are not nearly enough nation states in Europe because there's been this EU project, which is Freemasonic to the core. No, break it all back up. Break Italy into at least five separate separate states. Break Germany the hell up into like dozens and dozens and dozens because Germans are dangerous. And so one of the ways that you control the German totalitarian 
craziness is break them up into teeny tiny little fiefdoms. That way, when some crazy pants German comes into power, he only has power over some teeny tiny little fiefdom. See how that works? See how that works? I mean, it all makes sense. So let's Uh. talk about how um, a certain dangerous German uh, who probably resigned out of grave fear uh, it probably mm, was inflicted mm. unjustly and out of malice. That That's all most probably true. Certainly there's more evidence to suggest that that's true uh, than false. Oh, what but, was I going to say? Simony, simony. The simony was the turning off of the of having the, the Vatican, the Vatican on. Ba- yeah. yeah, the ATMs and the, uh, yeah. They Vatican. couldn't do, they, they, the Vatican. They froze it. Yeah, they froze. What What is that? It's not span. It's swift, swift. They froze them. They froze the Vatican and specifically the Vatican museums because that's how the Vatican makes its money. They completely froze them out of the SWIFT system, which is the ATM system. So there were no credit card transactions, none of that. Oh, you're telling me it's just a coincidence that the day, the day after he announced resigning, that boom, they instantly came back on the Swiss system. Come it on. It was the day after. Yes, it, it was. It was the day after. It was a Freemasonic plot, and it was obvious. It was comp- So when you talk about money, now we're not we're not buying off Joseph Ratzinger, the man. We're not buying off Joseph Ratzinger's family. He's not an aristocrat. He's none of that. It's not, it's not like the Medici buying off the, the Kiji or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is cutting the Vatican out of the global, um, money movement system. Does that fall under the moral category header of simony it can be well argued that yes in fact it does therefore we've got in canon 188 we've got the coercion fear i mean he yeah absolutely these people are murderous these people are murderous was he in fear that either he would be killed, and by he, I mean Pope Benedict, that he would be killed, that his brother, Georg, would be killed, or something like that? Absolutely. Of course that's in play. You'd have to be an idiot to not believe that was in play. But that, even that, as strong as that is, it's secondary. It is secondary to the substantial error argument. Mark, go. I need to drink more. Yes, please do. Mm. Uh, yeah, he knew what he was in for from the very beginning of his pontificate yeah. because his uh, uh, pray for me that I not flee for fear, for fear of, of the wolves. wolves. Yeah, That was in his very, I think his very first homily after... Inauguration mass, yeah. It, or yeah. maybe it was the, the inauguration. I think okay, it was, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was there from, from the very beginning. So I think that there's a high probability we've got at least three of the four covered. So let's get into the fifth one. And explain to everyone what substantial error is and what is the substantial error that Pope Benedict made. Okay, so again, the Burj Dubai elevator pitch is <laughs> that what he what he planned to do, what he attempted to do, and what he has confirmed multiple times, including within the past few weeks as published 
in his autobiography by his official bio his official autobiography his uh, not autobiography biography by his official biographer direct quote is that what he wanted to do was split the papacy into a collegial synodal office break it up so that there are multiple popes at one time he would be the spiritual suffering praying pope and then he would open it up so that the pope who was handling the governance of the church, which Ratzinger specifically said on the 27th of February in his final um, audience in, in in St. Peter's Square, he specifically said, I'm, I'm giving up the, the active governance of the church, but I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm here with you always and forever. I am the Pope always and forever. All I'm doing is I'm giving up the active governance of the church, which has now been reiterated by him, by his official biographer in the third official biography of him just now published. I don't even think it's out in English yet. I think it's still only out in German and we're getting like Correct. German translations from Micah Hickson, who's fabulous. Um, she writes for LifeSite News and she's obviously German, Micah Hickson. And um, she she's doing the, the German to English translations. And he keeps saying like over and over and over again, I am still the spiritual Pope. I still have the spiritual mandate. Oh, oh my gosh. Who has a mandate? A person who holds an office has a mandate. Yes, because he totally, he's been talking about this. The German Academy has been talking about this. Everybody's been talking about this for decades. There is a mountain of evidence that they have all been talking about this. Spin it off. Make it a multi-man, you know, palatable to Protestants. Oh, it's just kind of, oh, there's the spiritual Pope and there's the administrative Pope and hell, we could have, by by the time it's all over, what is it? Is it in the... Is it at the end of the Ganswine speech, or help me, is, Mark? Is it? Or is, is it not the? Every, inter- everybody's it, the Pope. Everybody's the Pope. Which is which pra- is Lutheranism. Hello. It, it's practically the entire Ganswine speech, mm. which is something else that you can look up. Uh, Ed Patton published the entire. I think was it Ed, Ed reported uh, on it. I Ed, think maybe Ed, Diane re- and Diane Montagna did the translation, and Ed published it, and then LifeSite. I mean, it's all over the place, and we'll put it in the show notes. Make a note, Mark. Make a note. Um, it, so this it, is May of twenty sixteen. This is this is how I. This is my come to Jesus. I mean, this is yeah, the, yeah. It was my come to Jesus moment, and then within within a couple of weeks, it didn't take me long. Uh, and then, you know, all I had to do was go and ask the people, one of the priests at the place where I was at the time, so if I come to Mass and receive Holy Communion, and you've commemorated in the Te Egeter Francis, but I am absolutely morally certain, and beyond morally certain, that Francis is not the Pope. Can can I receive Holy Communion? Can I? Is that cool? And the priest unflinchingly, 
didn't even flinch at what I said. Said, oh yeah, absolutely, no problem, no problem. Whatsoever. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And not 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 that that he was okay with it, but just unflinching. Unflinching, unflinching. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And these these are really 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 good guys, and are to this day, and I love them very very much, and I I miss them very very much because I don't live there anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not not putting words in anybody's mouth, but just the unflinching certitude, and you know, really. Um, I, I have no idea. I, I almost make it a point to not, when I bring up my position on the anti-papacy, when I'm around clerics, it's almost always in a, in a almost, I don't know, joking fashion. And I don't want to make light of it, but don't think that I like go at priests and say, you know, some of them know what I do in my time when I'm not in the church and some of them don't. And I've, as I've said many, many times before, um, I go to mass every day and I, I, I know that, that Francis is commemorated erroneously in the Te Igitor as, as the Pope. What's my position on this? I say to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, would you please, please give me any temporal punishment, any purgation that might be due to this priest, that might be due, because he might, he might not be due any. It might, it, it's conceivably possible that it's not sinful on his part, because he's just saying, look, I'm, I'm obedient, I'm obedient, I'm just going to say this. I am in no position to judge anyone. I know that the Mass is valid, and what I say to our Lord is give me the purgation that's due to that priest if there is any due for him commemorating Francis at the Te Igitor during the canon of the Mass. And you know what? You know what has been absolutely my experience? Our Lord says, okay, she, Anne, me saying that prayer, she's serious. She's serious about this. I, I'm willing to burn in purgatory for a billion years. That's not a problem because if, I, if I'm in purgatory, I know I'm going to get the beatific vision. So I'm cool with that. And I understand the situation as, it, as it's unfolding right now. And I understand that a lot of these guys are just confused, torn, don't know what the hell to do. And so they're saying Francis in, in the canon, give it to me, give it, give it to me. I can take it, give it to me. And my experience has been nothing but positive from this. And our Lord, he knows you're serious and he knows you're not, you're not messing around when you start saying, I'll go to purgatory for, for that other human being. I will do that if, if it will help. If it will help the situation, I'll do that. And blah. I, I this is this is a big theme that this is actually something I've been talking about during this Corona cold situation in the in the brief conversations that I do have with the priests that I'm around I'm like you know when the auto when the autobiographies or the memoirs are written we're gonna have to talk about all this and we're gonna have to talk about what's happened and we're gonna have to talk about the incredible graces that all of us have experienced in this time because that's the truth. This is, it's so weird, but it's like a bittersweet, you know. Would it be safe to say it was your best Lent ever? Oh, oh, by orders. I, I don't think it'll ever be beaten. A holy week. I can't, I cannot imagine 
that in my life, I don't know, our Lord is full of surprises and he can do anything, but good grief, this Holy Week was, it seems to me, unsurpassable unsurpassable it's a uh, it's a common theme uh amongst lady and priests that i've talked to who uh, uh you know have the right sort of bearing you might say yeah that the uh the 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 crisis is uh, you know god is not a jerk so when nope. the, uh, the situation in the world turns ugly there's always more grace that's being offered to you if you're handling it the absolutely. right way absolutely yep absolutely and that's what Anne's talking about here is it has been an incredible and in, in, incredible journey here these these past couple months while all this mm-hmm. has been going on mm-hmm. because if you're disposed to it yep and and you're and you're acting rightly Boy, there has just been an outpouring of it, and a tsunami. It's, it, it's been a veritable yes. tsunami of grace that can come out of this, you know. And it's it's like I said, it's bittersweet. And God, I I was I was corresponding with a priest not too long ago, and I said, you know, God God forgive me, but may I be permitted to quote Evelyn Waugh in Brideshead? you know, out of the mouth of Sebastian, who's saying, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't, I can't bring up the, the words exactly right now, because, you know, I've had, I've had a little bit, and I'm at, I'm at like 22% right now, 22, 20, 22%, not blood alcohol level, but um, 22% of, um, uh, what's the word, not drunkenness, that's not the right word, but, um, you know, I'm well watered. Um, I can't bring peakness. up uh, yes, peakness, peakness, <laughs> peak, peak podcastness. Um, but you know, Sebastian says if it if it could only be like this always, always summer, the fruit always ripe, always alone, and that's the bittersweet line in that. That's a bittersweet um, phrase in that is always alone, because you know, I mean, you do want the people to come back, and you want people to come back out of their houses and everything. But good grief, even in the absolute depths, the depths of the the terrible, stupid, unjust, ridiculous quarantine, there's there was a certain bittersweet beauty about not not just being able to have the liturgy. Oh, I mean, I, I had Holy Week privately. Um with full with full ceremonies i mean believe me the autobiography the memoirs are going to be Mm -hmm. insane um but just walk walking the streets of a of a city and hearing your footfalls echoing off of off of the streets off of the buildings because it's that empty of a, oh, yeah. you know, of a fairly good-sized city. And being able to see the beauty, the architectural beauty of a city, you know, all of that kind of thing, in complete, in, in basically complete solitude. A profound, bittersweet beauty to all of that. And I, I keep telling people, you know, when... When all of this is completely passed and where I am now, I mean, as in many, many places, it's starting to open back up. And so you're beginning to reappreciate again the, the sound of, of human beings, the sound of other human beings 
that it's 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 a beautiful thing and um you know just being able to to appreciate life human life and seeing all this it it is absolutely a bittersweet thing i keep telling people we will i can tell you right now we will for the rest of our lives look back on these days even in the depths of it we will look back on them as as in a sense a sort of a golden time you know mm-hmm. we will look back mm-hmm. on this with fondness especially where i am now we will look back on this with fondness these will be bittersweet bittersweet joys so you know appreciate it if, if you're in a place where you still don't have access to mass, mm. uh, make sure to use the resources at hand. Go to latinmass.live. Look yep. at the live streams. They're, I mean, they're almost 24 hours a day at this point that yeah. you can access that. Make spiritual communions. There is no poverty in making a spiritual communion. Nope. They are, they can be very, very beneficial. And <laughs> again, just, just, <laughs> yeah. just, just remember the extraordinary graces that are being offered and those graces are particular graces mm-hmm. they are they are individualized just for you yeah. they're personal yeah. that's the way grace works mm. so so just keep your bearing yep now where were we there was something about an anti-papacy where so were we canon we law canon law canon here's, law here's where we were so closing off the point about the Gantzwein speech because mm. the clincher for me mm. was uh, t- was uh, discovering okay the, the Gantzwein speech comes comes to light uh, really kind of on the front page right away I do some inis- initial research and I'm just I'm not really I'm not really getting anywhere other than I'm not seeing it from Benedict himself. I'm seeing the standalone Ganswine thing, and I'm not getting enough uh, from Benedict's own uh, words that it, it's not tying together for me. And then I discover that last general audience, mm. and he lays it out, and he specifically says, I, I don't have the, the, the uh, would it have been in Italian? Probably, right? Well, it was delivered in Italian. Delivered I, in Italian. And so. I was there. It's no secret. I've come out. I was in Rome at the time, and I was there. I was in St. Peter's Square, but I didn't speak any Italian. And now my Italian is just is middling at best, but just because of the situation, you know. Um, so. so, But I was there, and he absolutely, that's what he said. That's what he said. So the clincher was where he lays out, he's talking about receiving the papacy at the hands of the Cardinals back in 2005. Mm. And he, and, and, and that's wrong. That's wrong. Well, yep. Well, it's the, right. He didn't, uh, he doesn't, it, you don't accept the papacy at, from the hands of the Cardinals. You're right. It is Jesus Christ who yep. bestows the papacy. That's Vatican See? one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. Uh, but anyway, he's talking about that, that his acceptance was always and forever. Mm-hmm. And what he's doing here, this is the day before he flies off in the helicopter. Right. That, that what he's done here, this exercise and, you know, put scare quotes around resignation because it wasn't what he's doing here. This is the phrase does not revoke this. Yeah. Referring that's back his, to the always and forever. Those are his words. Those are Ratzinger's words. Does not revoke this. 
Oh my gosh. Clincher. Yeah. yeah. Clincher. Smoking gun. Smoking gun. Yep. So that's the, that, that in a, and if you're asking yourself, okay, well, he thought maybe that he could change the intrinsic nature of the papacy or doesn't, isn't the Pope above canon law? Can't the Pope do whatever he wants? Well, no, he can't change the intrinsic nature of a divinely instituted office. That's right. That's above the power of even a Pope. Yep. So if you're asking yourself about this, this term substantial error and, you know, what could it mean? Well, there's a lot of things that it could mean. We could give a lot of examples of substantial error. There is a technical definition and I've posted on that multiple times, but it's very, it's very lawyerly. And I know that a lot of people might be turned off by that. But again, going back to the point that we made, what, a half an hour ago, the plain sense of the words, if you, if you, if you study the lawyerly definition of substantial error after you after you muddle through all of that what you come to the, what you come to at the end is well that's basically the common sense thing of what i thought originally it's just said in legalese you know right right i was just the point i was trying to make was i i'm i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that attempting to alter the intrinsic nature of a divinely instituted office Probably rises to the level of substantial error. Probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's now, a now, one. wait a minute. Neither one of us have degrees. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> pardon, pardon me while I cackle. <laughs> None of us, neither one of us, neither one of us have degrees in canon law, in theology, in philosophy. No, but I'm thinking that maybe just, you know, speaking here as a as a common common working person with a degree in an, animal husbandry. Do you have what's your degree in, Mark? Food marketing. Marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I will have you know, I have negative credentials because I had three years of theology at a Jesuit university. Ew. <laughs> that counts. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the only thing you could have said that would have been more perfect is communications because that's what all the football players right, at that's right. <laughs> majored in was communications. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So yeah, we we have no credentials, but it kind of sounds like maybe that might live up to the standard. I I'm just grasping at straws here. Now, one point I want to make while we're on it, um, about you know the the February twenty seventh speech and all of that is that a lot of people talk about, well, whatever Ratzinger has said within the past seven years, that that doesn't matter at all. And, you know, there's, there's a legal argument to be made for that. You know, there's ex post facto does not work. You know, you can't be Jimmy Carter today. Jimmy Carter's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, Jimmy Carter's is, still alive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Carter today could not say, when did, when did the hostage crisis start? 79? So he could he could not say I resign the office of the presidency of the United States effective noon January first, nineteen seventy nine, and thereby 
you know, exempt himself from the hostage crisis, from all of that crap, you know. You can't do that. You can't resign ex post facto. And so it's the same thing with Ratzinger. Everything Ratzinger has said in the past seven years since the the thing in 2013 it could be legally argued it doesn't it doesn't matter what he says and you know i'd say you know that's probably right what is the window of legal relevance or germanity is germanity even a word somebody help me you know in the i know what it means yeah germane germanity I, i don't even know if germanity is a word though what is the window of legit juridical um, relevance to the whole question of whether or not Pope Benedict's resignation was canonically valid or invalid. I can tell you that it is from it is from his announcement on what is it, eleven February? It's eleven February until eight PM on the twenty eighth of February. What did he say in that interstitial period? Every, absolutely everyone agrees that he was, quote unquote, still the Pope. He's still the Pope now. Hold on, I have to take a little sip here. He was, He's still the Pope now. <laughs> Cheers. He's still the Pope now, but he. everyone agrees that he was the Pope on 27 February... 2013 at that final audience all right let's zoom 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 in on what the hell he said at that thing smoking gun smoking gun smoking gun smoking gun it's Mm -hmm. all there and then now we need to segue what's what's our time situation here we're probably good oh we're we're only at 57 minutes we're just getting warmed up We've so only... wait before before we segue because um, yeah. i have we want to get uh, there's two more cannons we want to get to but before we segue mm. this is a good point to, uh, a good place to to interject all the other decisions that he made in that two-week window while everyone on the planet agrees that he was still the pope yep and these decisions re- revolve around Retention of title, mm. retention of habit, mm. retention of residence, mm. retention of the fisherman's right. Mm. I feel These like all I feel started like to leak out. I feel like you're Louis Farrakhan, and I'm the big black guy standing behind you in the sunglasses, going, <laughs> "Preach, preach, yes." Mm. Yes. So all these things started to well. Let's even go back to to the Declaratio itself because there were canonists out within hours 48 hours, hours. yes yep. Yep. screaming about nope, the invalidity nope. yep now and and the bad latin and you know the bad latin itself invalidates a juridical act i mean just let me speak for a moment about the great uh, <laughs> and father z and i Oh, you know, we correspond electronically occasionally, and we still, I bring up and we laugh about the great conditional subjunctive fracas of December of 2018, when I republished a a paper by a priest, God love him, who I subsequently found out has, like, significant 
problems and issues, we pray for all priests. We pray for all priests. Um, who who presented me and begged me to publish this um, this Latin deconstruction of the the actual eleven February uh, act of renunciation and saying oh this is all wrong and it has a conditional subjunctive and da 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 and I was dumb and I completely admit that I was dumb. And I, I mean, I know Latinists. I, I'm on an email basis with Father Zulsdorf, who is a very good Latinist. And I didn't run this past him. I didn't say, can you run your eye over this? Can you take a look at this? I'm no Latinist. He's got citations here from the major Latin, um, you know, dictionaries, encyclopedias, or, you know, the, the texts, the major Latinist texts justifying this as the conditional subjunctive and da 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 and this this introductory clause implies this blah 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 and I didn't do that because I was dumb and I published this thing and it was it was basically torn apart within hours because the internet is the internet and you know that's a really good thing about the internet is because you know you put anything out and people can just instantly tear it apart if it's not right and so, there. It, it was mixed. It was a mixed bag. It I was had, mixed. It, it was. It, it was a mixed bag. It, was it wasn't completely that it was wrong, but that it was sufficiently nuanced, and and leaned toward the side against what was being argued by me, that this was a that this was a. a a, a phrase that was well I would I could resign eh, it it wasn't quite that so what I would say to everybody is leave the sloppy and and, and everybody agrees that the Latin is bad the Latin is sloppy it is just it's it's not good at all but but leave that to the side and let's just focus on the canon law and the substantial air. That's your boy there. Yes. Um, I I shouldn't have. I regret I regret publishing the thing in the first place. I regret not asking for a second opinion. Obviously, dumb, 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 dumb. Um, but the the Latin is bad and sloppy. well. You did ask for a second opinion. You didn't ask for a third opinion. I, sh- I mean, you know, before even pressing the publish button, I should have done more. I should have done more. That, but what the po- the reason I'm making this point is that there are people in Trad Inc. who are trying to make the argument that Anne Barnhart's argument, Mark Doherty's argument, that we are trying to argue something about the the Latin of. Ratzinger's Declaratio on 11 February. No, that isn't even, that's, that's completely mendacious. We are hardcore and we will take this to our graves, both of us, to paraphrase um, Hilaire Balak. We're going on the canon law. And that's just, that's straight up. Well, we we own that. The, the Latin, neither one of us are Latinists in any in any way. 
Well, so let's talk about the canon that, that we actually are going to talk about uh, the original Latin, spoken Latin, and later mistranslated from spoken to written Latin mm. and, and published erroneously on the Vatican website. But oh, yeah, that, canon, yeah. Canon 332.2. Mm. Now, this is in a, in a portion of canon law uh, titled The Supreme Authority of the Church, and chapter one, article one, uh, the Roman Pana for the College of Bishops. Mm. Canon 332.2 speaks specifically to the resignation of the Roman Pontiff. Of the Roman any... Pontiff, yes. Yes. Yeah. Not resignations in general, nope. but if the Roman Pontiff himself should choose to resign, how it needs to be done. And yep. I will now read the English text. You go. Canon 332.2, if it happens that the Roman pontiff resigns his office, it is required for validity that the resignation is made freely and properly manifested, mm -hmm. but not that it is accepted by anyone. Yep. So we have, I think, probably three key parts of that canon. First of all, it speaks specifically to the pontiff resigning his office. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it speaks about the resignation needing to be properly manifested. Yep. Which I'm going to make an you know unlettered opinion that that probably refers back to the office uh, in 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 the in the words of the resignation. Shut and up, the, stupid! Shut up, and, stupid! Also, and, you're uh, also you're ugly. Can I just say you're ugly? And then the last portion, which speaks to the fact that the acceptance of the resignation is a moot point. It has no bearing yep. on the validity. Yep. Uh, so we can talk about that last part all day long yep. and universal acceptance. And you guys just need to move on. You really have a problem. You know, I'm sorry. The acceptance has nothing to do with the validity. The flip side of that is what Benedict thinks happened yep. has no bearing his intellect his mind has no is, bearing has, nope. has no is not the arbiter of truth nope people need to get their heads around that well he, that's not what he meant he might have misspoke he might have had bad latin but this is what this is what he really meant to do and no yeah. what his, what's in his mind does not determine the truth mm -hmm. what what people have accepted does not determine the truth. This is these, these are basic concepts. Yeah, absolutely. These are basic philosophical concepts. These are basic concepts of of Christ, of Christianity, of Catholicism. Obviously, what's so fascinating about three thirty two point two to me is that it sounds so mundane. It sounds mundane, and you think, what what? There's no meat on these bones. What the hell? You know, whatever. You you start thinking about this. And what the, the clause about the fact that the papal resignation does not need to be accepted by anyone, what that is, what that's saying is that there is objective truth. And you've got trad ink partisans who literally have as their slogan on the top of their Twitter feeds, only the real counts, only the real matters, who spend hours and hours per day denying 332.2 that there is 
objective truth. I don't give a flying fig what anyone in the College of Cardinals thinks about anything because it doesn't matter. And the law says it doesn't matter. And why, why does canon law say that? Because there is objective truth. What you feel and your feelings, F-W-E-E-W-I-N-G-S, your feelings, your feelings about this don't matter. Oh, Pope Benedict is a quitty quitterson and he quit us and he abandoned me like my father abandoned me in the 1960s and I hate him and Bubba, you know what? Stow that crap because none of us are interested and frankly sweetie get in line get in line nobody cares objective truth is objective truth did pope benedict resign validly or not the answer is a glaringly obvious emphatic canonically confirmed objectively evidentiary confirmed over and over and over again including within the last few weeks and we have to get to this before the end of the show (coughs) um (laughs) no he did not resign validly and that's why this bergolian situation of lunacy and declaring Freemasonry as the new world religion. Oh, where have I heard that before? Hell, I was hearing that from freaking Jack Van Van Impey when I was 11 years old. If some crazy pants TV grifter end times charlatan was more was more tuned into this crap than the average tradding partisan today what the hell does that tell you tells you somebody needs to start going to mass and praying the rosary but i'm i'm i've switched now to a different i've just switched now to port so you you go mark okay okay uh and amen to all to everything <laughs> that, that, that you just said so we'll post links in the show notes canon 332.2 uh, the the if the Roman Pontiff resigns his office, it needs to be properly manifested. Mm-hmm. We're going to assume that means he has to actually resign the office. And when you look at the Latin uh, resignation, he talks about the office. He talks about the office being the munis. Talks about it. Talks about it. Talks about it. And, and then, then switches. And then switches at the critical point yep. where he's actually executing the resignation yep. and he resigns the, the ministry. ministry the ministry that he's talking about which he made crystal clear in his 27 february final audience when everyone on earth unanimously agrees that he was still the pope the the precision that he's making there is between the active governance of the church the administration and being the prayerful spiritual pope which it is obvious it is visibly obvious to again everyone on the planet that he has retained that you can't do that you can't split the papacy established by christ jesus himself into some bifurcated crazy pants nonsense and you know bifurcation at this point 
bifurcation is like the least of it what happens what happens if 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 um if the the freemason sodomites tell bergoglio okay you're done which everybody everybody that i know who has connections in rome roman people they're all saying even before corona cold happened they were saying we think that bergoglio is going to resign this year okay pope benedict is still alive so what are you going to have the world, the world in scare quotes, is going to see three, three popes. And the next one is going to be, um, um, if, if the speculation is true, they want to install that Filipino mm-hmm. idiot, Tagle. Can I, can I drop a bomb? Can I drop a bomb? Can I drop a bomb here on the podcast? Here's I don't what... know. Is, is, is it going to make Togley cry? <laughs> He's great at that. Dude. Dude. A, a, slight, a slightly tepid bowl of soup would make Togley cry. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, this isn't much of a... You're not asking me much. Here's what I've heard. And the Chinese... Totally want Togle. Togle is Filipino, but he is Chinese Filipino. But you say, oh, that's that's not enough. And I say, that's, that's right. That's not of a connection. Not enough of a connection to the communist Chinese to have him in. What do the communist Chinese have on, on Togle? Togle has a tiny bit... And by tiny bit, I am being extraordinarily facetious, bit of a gambling problem in Macau and has massive, massive, massive outstanding uh, debts to casinos in Macau, which is the Chinese mafia. So the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, can use the Chinese mafia in Macau to completely control Togle. And that's Could you even make it up? Make... Nope. Could nope, you even make nope, this up? Nope. Couldn't even make it up. And he, he's, he's a complete heretic anyway. I mean, he's like Bergoglio. He's, he's not even functionally Catholic. And then he has this hanging over him. He's got the fear, the fear of the freaking Chinese mafia. I mean... The Chinese mafia, yeah, that's me slamming my my glass of port down on the table. The Chinese mafia makes the Italian mafia look like a bunch of of cloistered Carmelite nuns by comparison. About the last Mm -hmm. group of people you want to be hardcore into is is the Chinese mafia. These people do do things, torture other human beings in ways that we white people cannot even complete, cannot conceive of. And, and you don't want to because that crap would haunt your nightmares. You mm-hmm. don't want to know what East Asians do to each other. I mean, don't, I mean, I, I couldn't even get through the deer hunter. Mm-hmm. The deer hunter, like... Yeah, I'm pretty tough. I I had to turn that off. I couldn't watch that. And that's mild. That's mild. And the, but those were Vietnamese, right? But I mean, just all of East Asia, all of that that super pagan East Asian 
I mean, and you talk about, and you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to completely pin it all on the Chinese because you talk to the Japanese, or excuse me, you talk to the Chinese about what the Japanese did to the Chinese during the rape of Nanking. That's another thing that you don't even want to hear about. You don't, it's like pornography. Once that crap is inside your mind, you, it's really, really hard to get rid of it. That's why you never look at porn. And to a certain extent, you need to understand how evil these people are and what they're capable of doing to each other. But don't go chasing after learning the specifics of the species of torture that Asians have used against each other and against, against you know, white people and everybody else. Don't go because it's, it's like a species of pornography, ex- except it's a pornography of violence. So mm-hmm. don't even get that information into your brain. Just listen to me. Take it from me. These people do things that you and I cannot even conceive of, cannot conceive of as evil to other human beings. So, huh. I don't know how we got uh, went down that path, but that was uh, toggle. That was toggle. Let's. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, so let's now let's get to the last canon, the third pillar here, mm. which uh, we were we were talking about uh, the. Um, transferring of the governance and and benedict is going to be the spiritual prayerful pope role and he you know he's he's passed the governance which he clearly has passed the governance to to the quote-unquote new pope well it's it's a regency it's a regency right because there there just so happens to be a canon that that specifically addresses Mm. this sort of situation Mm. this is canon 131.1 and it and it falls within a section of of the of canon law that is uh title eight the power of governance do we think this might have some relevance to the situation at hand? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Canon, I will read you the English words of Canon 131.1. Mm-hmm. The ordinary power of governance is that which is joined to a certain office by the law itself. Delegated, mm. that which is granted to a person, but not by means of an office. Preach on. It is a regency. It's exactly what you said. If the office holder passes on the power of governance as a delegated um, power, mm-hmm. it's granted to the person who receives it as a as a as a functional thing. But the office itself is not transferred. Nope. Of by that not. delegation. And so if, right, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. What what if the Pope gets freaking Alzheimer's? What if the Pope gets Parkinson's? Okay, what does he do? He can he can appoint a functional delegate before he, you know, goes non mentis. And everybody understands, okay, this and such person is going to just, you know, keep the bills paid, keep the lights on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This does not transfer the papacy. This is a functional delegation of authority just so that you can keep things going hello how many popes this is a this is an office that has been that has belonged to old men old men for the last 2000 years do you think that not one of these has become sufficiently elderly 
sick before he dies because it's it's an office that goes with you until you die and everyone understood that all along that you hold this thing until you die how many people have the grace of just dropping dead in 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 full in full potency most people are sick before they die even if it's for a week even if it's for a week so our lord and savior jesus christ being may i pound on the table now god almighty being god almighty foresees this and there is a complete legal situation surrounding all of this if a pope becomes aware that he's you know the end is coming there's something wrong and remember um most illnesses cancer for example hell there are people like like two generations before me in my family tree who died clearly of what would be obvious diagnosable illness today and they had no idea they just you know they just turned orange and died you know I mean nobody up until a few decades ago a few decades ago if they got cancer for example they had no idea they just knew that they were sick and they knew that they were dying and they knew there was something terribly wrong. There were no x-rays. There was no, there were no imaging technologies. The only way to diagnose cancer was to cut somebody open and to cut somebody open before the days of antibiotics, before the days of anesthesia. Hello, history hello nobody had any idea you just died you got sick and you died so do we honestly believe that every pope and if i'm not mistaken i believe every every pope died nobody nobody there was no swing down sweet chariot and nobody was taken taken up which version which version <laughs> the elvis version always no, eric the clapton elvis. eric clapton no elvis elvis oh <laughs> this is the next episode this uh. is the next episode elvis versus eric Clapton. oh my gosh uh. we are so toasted so let me so let me close this off because i I know you want to get to some some recent events and the uh the seawall uh biography and word about 120 right now so just to close off this part the canon law and the idea of transforming the 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 intrinsic nature of the papacy Uh, or sharing governance uh, or anything like that bifurcation synodality collegiality what other what other buzzwords i'm missing one there's one i'm missing i'm just going to give you i'm just going to give you uh two quotes one is from the uh dissertation and book by uh archbishop miller um, who what oh did we, did we not you, talk you about should him? talk about that <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode we only have time for the quote the quote is on page 197 of his book length version of the dissertation uh from archbishop miller and it uh, goes like this mm. when when contemporary now he's taught we're talking about 19 
1950s and 1960s Germany. Okay. <laughs> when, when, yes, go ahead. Back, isn't that where we started this? Yes. When, when contemporary theologians, now he's talking about that whole posse of Kuhn and Rahner and Casper and Ratzinger, all of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. When contemporary theologians apply Ios Divinum, which is means that the office was was divinely instituted. Yes. When they apply it to the to Roman primacy, they do not thereby imply that there can be no changes in the way papal authority will be exercised in the future. Oh, Germans! Oh, they were me. all they were all talking about this seventy years ago. Seventy oh. years ago. Oh well, here I have a handy quote from Cardinal Dulles from. 65 years ago. Can I read that? Don't, don't, don't <clears throat> explain, explain first to people who Cardinal Dulles was. No, Dulles, you'll, you'll... I mean, some Americans might be mildly familiar with the surname Dulles. Where, where have we heard that before? Is it, is it possibly the ginormous airport in Washington, D.C. named after his, wait for it, wait for it, his brother. Brother. Yep. Head of the CIA, the Avery Dulles, Avery Cardinal Dulles, Jesuit, brought into the church, sent straight up, made a cardinal, if I'm not mistaken, he as a priest. As a priest. Not a bishop. Not a bishop. Straight up as a priest. Um, infiltration. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're all, and they're all converts too. Now I'm now. Let me let me say. Obviously, I'm a convert. I'm a convert. I'm a convert of 2007. And this is something that is used against me. Ann Barnard's a convert. Well, I don't know. Is it possible that there's a genuine conversion of anybody? I mean, I, I don't know. Is that is that even possible? Or do we want to subscribe to the to the notion that there's no such thing as a genuine conversion because St. Paul might have something to say about <laughs> that. Um, you know, but so Dulles is like a convert, enters the Jesuits, is made a cardinal without even having been a bishop before, and then becomes this wildly influential Oh my gosh. And like his father was something in the deep state. His brother was head of the CIA. His father was secretary of state. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. His father was secretary of state. We'll look that up. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. His, his brother was, was head of the CIA. Stop, stop the presses. Stop the presses. Avery Cardinal Dulles starts agitating for exactly what we are seeing today. This Freemasonic nonsense of of transforming the papacy into basically a synod of, of multiple, not just two, but multiple men. I mean, I mean, it's just, may, you, you may, can't may even I, make this up, you know? May, may, may I quote the Cardinal? No, no, you may. No, go ahead. Yes. Yes, you may. Which are, so, which are in the footnotes of Mil- Miller, am I correct? Or in Miller itself? I think this is it. I think this is in Miller it's itself. It's in Miller itself. Yeah. I don't have the citation in front of me, but, um, so this is Cardinal Dulles 65 years ago. Yep. Quote, in theory, the Petrine function 
could be performed either by a single individual presiding over the whole church or by some kind of committee, board, synod, or parliament, <laughs> possibly with a division of powers into juridical or judicial, legislative, administrative, and the like. Hmm. Um, okay. Deep state, new world order. Um, what other American euphemism can we use? Um, this, this dude is a cardinal whose brother was the head of the CIA, who the international airport in Washington, D.C. is named after. I'm sorry. Forgive me if I wax conspiratorial. Forgive me. But, you know, at a certain point, after you've been hit over the head by a Louisville slugger, by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself, you need to start saying, "Is you know, there might be something to this. There might be something here. Or maybe we just had too many chemtrails out at Dulles Airport. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. We're at, one, we're at 128. You wanted to wrap Keep up. Keep going. Oh, this, is, this is fabulous. I'm, I can tell you right now, it's not just because I'm drinking port. This is, this is fantastic. We can go for three if we need to. Keep going. Keep okay. Going. Well, I haven't. I have been very busy with work, uh, and I've been trying to post as much as I can. But tell us everything that you know that is uh, coming out of the Seawall biography. Okay. So, Ratzinger tells his official biographer and this is the third this is the third book out of Ratzinger Pope Benedict's official biographer and he specifically he confirms basically everything that that we've we've just been talking about here and you know we've been talking about for years and we've been called names and my my looks have been insulted not marks but mark is very pretty but you know my <laughs> <laughs> and can i can i just say something about this you know people worry about me and oh ann oh let me tell you something this is an absolute when people start going after my looks i can't tell you how happy i am because the um like pornographic hate mail as you know as a woman and as a middle-aged well you know I used to be in my 30s but now I'm in my early 40s but as a middle-aged woman of not completely tragic um physical comportment I would get a a non-trivial percentage of hate mail that was of the disgusting pornographic kind Listen, if if it gets out into the zeitgeist that I am some sort of an ogress, physically, fantastic, fantastic, because that tamps down all of the pornographic hate mail, you see? So mm. the divine providence works in these mysterious ways. So yeah, I, I would like to pile on and I would like to confirm that I am absolutely physically ugly and yeah uh, <laughs> so the so in the seawald the latest seawald he's saying ratzinger pope benedict is saying i totally retain the the spiritual aspect of the papacy and 
And, oh my gosh, I have the, the mandate. That's his word. This is new for us. This is, this is new for both of us, Mark and myself. This word has never been deployed before. Mandate. Look that up in, in your dictionary and see what a mandate is. It's attached to an office. And he's just, he just keeps pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And, you know, the argument is made, well, if he's, and this is, uh, someone should make a, make another video about all this. <laughs> but um, if Pope Benedict keeps saying that, you know, he has this mandate and blah, blah, blah. And people are saying, well, you know, if he's, if he's, if Pope Benedict, if Ratzinger is so profoundly wrong about this, then his, ent his entire acceptance of the papacy must have been wrong. No, 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 no. Why? 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 Because it's clearly shown to us in Canon 188. May I be permitted to circle back to where we started at the, at the bottom of the Burj Dubai or whatever it was when we tried to start talking about this. When we, when we got in the elevator and pushed the button. Canon 188. Substantial error. What, what does canon law say? If a pope attempts to resign and he has made some sort of substantial error, then what? Then, then he's a heretic and he's deposed? No, he retains his office. Canon law is telling us objectively that it's totally possible for a pope to make a substantial error and retain his office. I mean, it's right there. It's invalid. The resignation is invalid by the law itself, pointing back to 188 if he has made a substantial error. So it's not disqualifying him as some sort of a heretic who never understood the papacy to start with. He, and and it's, I know a lot of people, it's a specious argument, and I can sympathize with it. And what people need to understand is, is that it's, it's an argument of potentiality. The sad truth is that every single one of us, and the Pope is not an exception to this, every single one of us have the potential to fall. And this is in, I mean, this is St. Well, John, John says this in either his first, one of his letters, one of the letters of St. John makes it clear that people who have already been baptized and who are already in can fall away from the faith. And this is this is a truism. It's because then you you get to the once saved, always saved Protestant BS nonsense. No, every single one of us, including the Pope, has the ability to fall, fail, et cetera, et cetera. Now go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna say that the uh the uh, uh one of the side arguments to or maybe maybe it's even the central argument to what you're speaking about is that well if Ratzinger had an imperfect knowledge of the office, mm, then mm -hmm. his acceptance was was invalid, and he was never pope. Well, that's not you don't need, you don't need to have a perfect understanding of the office in order to accept the, the the office. And I also don't think that there's any way that a post facto juridical act 
being in error could also go back in time and mm. invalidate the is acceptance itself. Exactly. Neither of those things seem right to me. No, it's it's not. I mean, because you could look at then you could look at any of these. Look at Alexander the Sixth. Do you honestly believe that Alexander the Sixth had a right. had a pristinely perfect comprehension of the papacy when he accepted? Of course not. Of course he didn't. Was he a valid pope? Yup. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was, and he also he's also one of the key arguments in Alexander the Sixth. This is a this is a super like weird point of grace for a lot of converts today. We're coming in. We're looking at the Kennedys. We're looking at all of these people, and I'm not joking. I've made this point many times before. I'm I'm a, I'm a Teddy Kennedy Catholic man. I look at Teddy Kennedy. And I, and I, for years and years said, you know, that, that SOB was a Catholic, is a Catholic, because he, he wasn't dead yet. And this can't be right. And so I would go on Amazon.com like every day and order another five books. And, you know, I I make the joke that at a certain point, you know, if I didn't order five books before noon, that Amazon.com would call me and ask me if I were okay. That's a joke. But, you know, I'm making the point. When I was in that reading phase, because I kept saying myself, God, this this can't be right because I'm because I'm so big and I have been so big on you need to associate with good people. And the only the only it's not an exception. I wouldn't call it that, but it's a precision is is the one holy catholic and apostolic church because obviously who's in the one holy catholic and apostolic church with the exception of the blessed virgin sinners every single person in the church is a sinner and so therefore you have to take that compartmentalize it Put it to the side and say, this is a completely exceptional category because this is a supernatural category. And so what what are we dealing with here and what are we looking at? So we can't be scandalized by the Teddy Kennedys. And so what's going on here? Well, and, and then you, you progress in what's going on with the papacy. You've got Alexander VI. All right, what's what what what's going on there? This guy was awful. This guy was, you know, threatening his concubine with excommunication if she didn't if she didn't continue the affair. I mean, what what in the hell is going on here? And they, somehow and somehow managed to never touch doctrine. Never touched it, not once. Ooh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And then you look at is it Belloc or Chesterton who said something that was so populated by, by for two th- for almost 2000 years now by such a bunch of absolute mm-hmm. now let me take a sip here mm-hmm. there's no way that could have survived for this long unless there was a dynamic of super super not predator supernatural protection and the more you read as a convert and you say, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. There's yep. no way that could have survived with all of that crap going on unless there was something. Why didn't Alexander the Sixth come out and try to bullshit ratify 
um, language alert, uh, bullshit ratify adultery or something whatever, like that. Right, whatever, right, whatever he was into. He had no interest in that. The 17-year-old, oh, who's the 17-year-old who was, who was like bisexual and all that? Why, why didn't he try to do anything? He didn't know. He didn't dare touch any of it. And is it because was it because he was particularly pious? Probably not. It was probably because he wasn't terribly interested. But you know what? Negative, negative supernatural protection. That's exactly what that means. And that's exactly what we're experiencing right now with Ratzinger is this absolutely bizarre, miraculous, edifying if you understand what's going on, um, beautiful manifestation of the divine providence and the ultimate, it seems to me probably beyond Alexander VI or anything else, this manifestation of the negative supernatural protection is that it's all in Ratzinger's heirs, which, which are a negative a negative data set in in and of itself, you know? It's a negative thing. Ratzinger keeps doing these things and testifying to these things that just demonstrate the negative protection of it. The other thing that you have is that the the, the way this has now played out over the last seven years, what other sort of situation could have come about where the anti-church would have manifested itself no, yeah. so visibly uh, i mean just as as the counter church i can't imagine any other situation no. or where, where that or could have happened so quickly and so visibly yep brilliant point brilliant point and none of us absolutely nobody could have possibly foreseen this manifesting and playing out the way it has the depth and breadth of it i mean what, what what's the date today so what 10 10 weeks ago 11 weeks ago if if i had done a podcast with either you mark or with super nerd and said okay 12 weeks from now the entire western church will be under de facto interdict the practice of catholicism will be criminalized with the sanction of the Vatican 12 weeks from now, I would have been laughed out of the room. Mm-hmm. No, nobody could have seen this play out. And this this is a fantastic point. Maybe this can be a wrap-up point um, in terms of Bergoglian anti-papacy. That this is all connected. It's all of a piece. Um the fact that the corona cold new world order crap is directly connected i mean there is a first degree function connecting corona cold and the vatican and i keep posting and i don't know if people think that i'm kidding or not but the december 30th incident in which anti-pope bergoglio like physically assaulted a Chinese lady on the the greeting line. That becomes more and more telling to me. I mean, people are saying, well, he was pulled. He actually wasn't pulled by her. 
but he's just been working the line and he's Mr. Schmooze because he's 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 a politician obviously in the worst possible sense of the word he's a politician so he's been working on December 30th this line in St. Peter's Square all kinds of pilgrims there blah 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 he's kissing he's kissing children and you know getting his satanic germs all over everybody and then this Chinese lady then this little Chinese lady he's grabbed I don't think it's by her I think it's by the woman next to her he's grabbed and pulled back and this little Chinese lady and all this stuff is happening in China and the church is being put under interdict and it's clearly part of the Freemasonic conspiracy to suppress the Chinese church they're scared crapless of the Chinese church because there are so many of them there are more there are more Chinese Catholics in China than the total population of Italy everything in China is minimized simply because the population of China is so enormous so this little Chinese lady grabs him says and says we finally figure out finally somebody who spoke like bizarre Chinese dialect figured out what this lady and she's saying please pray pray for us help us in China da 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 he physically assaults her nothing like this has ever been seen ever ever he starts hitting hitting not slapping hitting this woman what what in the hell what you've just been schmoozing with all these people and you know doing your Bergolian doing your Bergolian PR nonsense kissing babies and oh yeah I love you so much and uh, you psychopath this one little Chinese lady on 30 December grabs your hand and you freak out and physically assault her why um because you were maybe given a heads up that something was gonna happen that something mm-hmm. was gonna i'm sorry you can call me a conspiracy theorist all day long and i'll i'll take it and we'll we'll find out who's right at the general judgment and we're probably gonna have to wait till then but i'm sorry but that just Oh, that well, we was know crazy. For, we know for a fact he would have known the whole Corona thing was it was out in Wuhan and mm-hmm. was public knowledge at that point. Mm-hmm. But of course, what you're inferring is he would have had foreknowledge of what was to come from the gates, and, from and the gates. Well, yeah. well, we all could have had foreknowledge of that had we watched the the uh, event 201 video. Right. right? It's right. still out there on the Internet. It was published on YouTube immediately. Yep, we just weren't paying attention. Yep. That was up. That was October of, of last year. They held the event on October 18th, event 201. Yep. So we are at uh, oh my 145. Perfect. That's that's up. the that's the traditional podcast link. Is 145. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. So uh, feedback. The email address for the show, if you have any comments or suggestions, is podcast at barnhart.biz. Masses for Anne's benefactors, at least one mass every day, Yay. plus one requiem every week for mm-hmm. everyone who died in the mm-hmm. previous week. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you died of a corona-related 0.55% acute <laughs> blood alcohol poisoning or oh, anything Cortez. else. Cortez, solidarity with that poor person in Cortez, yep. Mm-hmm. 
Either way, a Requiem Mass is offered for everyone who died in the past week. Please pray for these priests and for all priests now more than ever. Yes. The satanic forces are attacking. But your prayers to God for this intention can help hold back that tide. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you got some value out of this or previous podcasts and would like to return some value, please visit supermedia.com slash donate for more information. And of course, even though he's not on this recording, if Super Nerd weren't editing, processing, perfecting, and publishing the recorded audio, which he still can do with the equipment that he has left in his house, yes, uh, you wouldn't be hearing it right now. He mm. also keeps Anne's site going against Yay. all cyber threats, mm. barn and domestic. Mm. And now Anne with the Matthew seventeen twenty initiative. Well, wait, what? First, what's what's your website again, Mark? What's your website? Uh, mine is a completely non-revenue generating non-veni non <laughs> Put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Uh, okay. Uh, the Matthew seventeen twenty intention for If I ever post anything relevant, I know that you'll link to it anyway, so it doesn't really matter if they know what my website is. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Matthew seventeen twenty fourfold. First that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified. And we know this will happen. It's just a matter of when. So sooner rather than later. Number two, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of, of 2005. Petition number three, that Jorge Bergoglio repent revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time. And we're not praying that this happens soon because God knows that Bergoglio needs time. He needs every day he can get to repent of all of this. uh, Die in a state of grace and thus someday achieve the beatific vision. And the number four petition... Likewise, that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger repent of whatever he might need to repent of, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Amen. Yay. So uh, maybe I'll just close it off with the colic from ah, Feast yes. of the Ascension. Yes. Uh... You should do that. Okay, um, here we are. All right. Grant, uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, grant we beseech thee, Almighty God, that we, who firmly believe that thine only begotten Son, our Redeemer, to have ascended this day into heaven, may also ourselves dwell in mind on heavenly things. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Good call. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Mark. Stay frosty, my friends. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. 